1: This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 346.
0: dopamine is great in little spurts. It's like going to Disneyland once a year. But when your child is going to Disneyland every single day, they need a ride that's bigger, and they need more time on it. And all of a sudden, you're in this loop that is harmful for your child's brain.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. And in the not too distant future, about nine months from now, the Read to Lead book as well. This podcast is dedicated to your personal and professional growth. Hi, I'm Jeff. And I believe that if you want to Achieve through success in your business and in your life, that intentional and consistent reading is a must. Each week, we're joined by yet another successful and inspiring author, and we chat about their latest book and their unique insights on things like personal and professional development, leadership, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship. Today, we'll be talking about some of those topics as they relate to your children or your grandchildren. In a moment, we'll sit down with returning guest Arlene Pellicane, who is the co-author of a brand new book called Screen Kids, Five Skills Every Child Needs in a tech-driven world. Arlene and I are going to talk about what the science says about the effects of screen time on young brains, some of the not-so-obvious signs to be aware of when it comes to screen safety, the 5A-plus social skills your child needs to cultivate, and plenty more. Hey, if you'd like to stay up to date on news related to my upcoming book launch and lots more, then be sure you're on my mailing list. You can sign up for that at my website. Just look for the form in the upper right of the page. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com. Arlene Pellicane is a speaker and author of several books, including Parents Rising, 31 Days to a Happy Husband, and Calm, Cool, and Connected, Five Digital Habits for a More Balanced Life. That's the book we talked about the last time she was here. She's also been a featured guest on the Today Show, Fox and Friends, Focus on the Family and Family Life Today, and serves as the host of her very own The Happy Home Podcast. Her latest book, written with Dr. Gary Chapman, is again called Screen Kids, Five Skills every child needs in a tech-driven world. Arlene, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me on. That is just so kind of you, and thanks for believing in this message of Screen Kids because I really think if we can help parents with their kids, then they'll actually read later, and then that's going to help your podcast. <laughs> so you're, you're kind of serving your funnel. <laughs> I love
1: that. I love if that. they're just
0: on video games all day, I'm sorry, they're not coming to you in 20 years. <laughs>
1: Well, well let, let's start, Arlene, with the, with the premise of the book and, and this transition that I think we as a society have made to individual screen use, uh, how that sort of propagated itself and, and, and its effect on uh, the relationship, especially between parents and, and children.
0: Yeah. You think about, you know, growing up. So I have three kids. They're two in high school, one in sixth grade. And you know, when they're two, four, six, their world revolves around you as mom and dad, you know, mom, can we do this? Mom, read me this book. Mom, watch me. So there's this huge bond that's created with your kids, you know, between kids and parents during those early ages. But now you introduce the iPad, you introduce a phone, you introduce YouTube you introduce, you know, Netflix and Disney Plus or whatever. And now all of a sudden these kids, they're not saying, "Mom, I want to spend time with you. Dad, I want to spend time with you." They're saying, "Can you please hand me the tablet? Can you please hand me the phone?" You know, if we kind of can step back and think about this and think, "Wait a minute, are these kids more would they be sadder if you said, "Hey, Mom and Dad are going away for the weekend?" <laughs> or would they be sadder if they said, "You're going to lose your tablet for the weekend?" You know? And and that's kind of like a funny proposition, but when you th- really think about it, it's just that idea of asking ourselves as parents, are we giving our children the best opportunity to connect with us relationally, to have that love and belonging come from a parent that loves them, or are they really spending a majority of their time circulating, you know, not around a parent, but circulating around devices? And that that's a wake up call, I think, for a lot of us.
1: Yeah, and just this morning, I was, I think it was uh, Facebook, I was on briefly and i saw a poll i didn't i didn't click the link to see the results but the poll was would you rather go 30 days without a shower or 30 days without the internet with with the 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 inference being most people are going to say the shower
0: yes (laughs) we stink but we're connected
1: that's right (laughs) well and it's important to, to i think to distinguish that you're not necessarily saying that that all technology is bad i mean i think about how you know, technology like Zoom has allowed many yeah. of us to connect in a year like this one, where we might not have otherwise been able to. So, so talk about that that big. You're, you're not saying everything's bad. There is some, some, some silver lining here.
0: You certainly can breathe a sigh of relief. We're not saying you have to you know, turn everything off, but the thing what is bad is too much. Mm. So technology is great. It's how we're communicating. It's how you're listening to this. It's how you might Skype grandma. It's how your child might see in a different country how their kids live. I mean, it's kind of amazing what technology can do. They can listen to podcasts. They can learn math. It's They can learn another language. So there's a lot of good things, but these good things that I'm talking about They're the things that make parents go, okay, we'll do it. But then when you really see what is your child doing? Oh, look, they're talking to grandma and they're learning about this water project in Africa. They're not, that's not what they're doing, Mm. right? So, so I think we have to be realistic. So yes, we adopt this technology, but we have to realize that if we're on it too much... And really for adults too, but to, you know, particularly for kids with their brains still developing till age 25, if they're on it too much, that's going to be problematic. So what I love to do is, and you can teach kids this, you can teach your grandkids, you can teach your kids, hey, is that a digital vegetable or is that digital candy? Mm and the idea of a digital vegetable would be like hey that's that's the read to lead podcast that's teaching you about things in the world that's a vegetable that's good for you oh oh look at that that's tiktok that's youtube videos of cats that's you know okay that might be okay for a little bit for fluff but if you're eating videos of cats all day long you know when you're 20 you're not going to be like wow you've watched a lot of cat videos that's very marketable you know it's not really going to it's not really going to help you so you can teach your kids to say okay A little bit of candy is okay, but you can't eat candy all day long. And I think that helps us as parents and grandparents to be able to recognize when they're on the computer, not to just say, oh, you're on your computer, get off. But, okay, you're on your computer. What are you doing? And is that a vegetable? Is that candy? Are they simply consuming passively or are they creating? That's a difference. You know, we allow our son, who does not have social media, but we allow him. He plays the piano, so he'll record himself playing the piano, and we say, "Yeah, upload that on YouTube. That's him creating." Mm. So, you know, there's different. You can ask those kinds of questions: Is it a vegetable? Is it candy? Are you just simply passively consuming something that won't help you, or are you actually creating something? Now, you can consume something like, "Hey, I'm going to learn how to change the oil in my mom's car. That'd be cool because you're consuming (laughs) something that you're actually going to use." That's that's Different, but you know what I'm talking about. If you're mm-hmm. just sitting on the couch watching something, it's it's not really helping you with anything practical. Yeah,
1: change it oil and score some points with mom at the same time. That's right. <laughs> well, this seems like a, a well-researched book to me. In particular, my curiosity was piqued by some of the things you talk about with regard to the effects of screen time on the brain and what the what the mm-hmm. science says. Can you speak to that?
0: Yeah, sure. They're doing a uh, National Institutes of Health is doing this huge ABCD study, Adolescent Brain Cognitive development. They're following 12,000 kids. And so what they're finding already is that when they do the MRI scans, they find differences in the brains of kids who use phones, tablets, video games more than seven hours a day. You know, and and this kind of gives us pause because before the pandemic, we could have said, oh, that's not my child. You know, they're not on seven hours a day. But but so stay with me a little bit. So we'll, we'll talk about the pandemic in a second. So it says when kids are on so much, they see a premature thinning of the cortex, which to be honest to me means absolutely nothing. But what, <laughs> means, what I understood it to later mean is it's the part of the brain that processes information about the five senses. And this usually starts dulling, you know, when you get older, you're 60, 70, 80, and you know, things don't quite taste as good. And you're kind of, you know, you don't see as well and all these things. So this dulling happens early for these kids who are online. So how you know, you just think like, my goodness, this is supposed to happen to you when you're older. Now, this is people who use phones, tablets, video games, which is really largely for entertainment, you could say. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I've seen my My kids who are all on distance learning, it's not that entertaining. The school (laughs) that they're doing (laughs) online for hours is not that entertaining. So I think for this parentheses, if your child is using screens and they're looking at a teacher on Zoom, I would not be as concerned as if they were spending seven hours playing video games. Mm -hmm. Um, They say that kids who report more than two hours a day on screens – uh, recreationally, they, they got lower scores on thinking and language tests. So, you know, and and one part is just when your child is playing a video game, let's say, If they're playing the kind of game, which a lot of kids are, where it's kind of intense, you know, Mm -hmm. so the more intense the game is, the more the brain is going to be like, whoa, what is this? You know, I'm running, I'm fighting, I'm shooting, I have to not die. So the brain is fight or flight, flooding with dopamine, like, man, let's go. But in reality, your kid isn't running for his life or her life. They're just sitting on the couch. So <laughs> this is very confusing for the brain. <laughs> and what happens is the blood flow goes to all the survival instincts. Let's keep keep this kid breathing. Mm. Let's protect the heart. Let's get, you know, this kid's in trouble. Let's mm. and, and this is happening over and over and over, right, during the day mm. for a child who's playing video games. And where the blood isn't going is the prefrontal cortex of the brain. And that's the executive decision center that says, I've been sitting here for three Three hours, I probably should use the restroom. Or my mom, I think, called me 20 minutes ago to go to dinner. I should probably do that. That part of the brain, no blood, no support. Mm. And so when you see your child, you're thinking, what is wrong with them? Like, why will they not respond to me? And you see so many children who are, you know, they're, they're throwing tantrums and they can't regulate their emotions and they're having trouble with sticking to things that are difficult. And a lot of that is because that, that, that executive center of the brain has really not been that nurtured. And so when that executive center isn't nurtured, it atrophies, you know, and so to realize, wait a minute, my child needs a good, healthy brain. And maybe you would think that self-control would be the building block of that good, healthy brain. And that's not happening for a lot of kids. So you want to be good to your child's brain. Dopamine is great in little spurts. It's like going to Disneyland once a year. But when your child is going to Disneyland every single day, they need a ride that's bigger and they need Mm. more time on it. And all of a sudden you're in this loop that is harmful for your child's brain.
1: My, my sister, who is a teacher herself and, and has a couple of kids to raise, yeah. she's got two teenagers now. Used to be criticized for the limits she put on her children with regard to to technology, and I see now that they're teenagers how well adjusted they are by and large by having had those those limitations uh, yeah. put on them at, at such a young age. Related to what you had just talked about, I'm a child of the '70s, and and I think one of the studies you talk about is that back in the '70s, you know, we were exposed to screens about the time we were four, and and today that's more like four months. Yes. Talk a bit about the impact of screen time starting so much earlier than it once did. Oh,
0: my goodness. Yeah. So just that's what it used to be. You know, like, hey, let's wait till they're four. And now, you know, you see babies. And I tell you what, all you have to do anecdotally is when you're in the store and if you see a one-year-old or an 18-month-old and they're sitting in the little stroller and they've got that iPad in their hands and they're just staring at that iPad and you're thinking, wait a minute, this is their time in the real grocery store to look at the, this is the real fruit (laughs) (laughs) you You know, I mean, there's so much sensory available when they go to the grocery store. And yet all they're doing is looking at that screen. And so I think there are huge hits for language because when a young child, so let's whether they're four months, one year, two years, three years, when they are with a screen, the studies have shown that the background noise disappears right because when there's no screen present what's the mom or dad or grandma or grandpa doing they're talking Mm. they're saying like okay we're going to the store now and oh look at that celery it's green they're (laughs) talking the whole time and teaching sincerely and teaching and so this is how the child is going to learn language this is how the child learns oh now it's my turn to talk oh look that object means that I mean this is huge but now instead of having that talk time if there's a TV on the back in the background if there's a iPad being held if there's a phone in the hand that opportunity for conversation is gone mm. and and you multiply that over the moments of the day. So all of a sudden, this child who might have had a vocabulary of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, and thousands of words by the time there were three, you know, now they're like, iPad, you know, <laughs> they, <laughs> they they don't get that. Now, sure, there are apps that are language apps that happens, but it's still never as good as a real time conversation with people, you know, things, motor skills, things like stacking blocks. So they might be a whiz at that iPad, but you give them a bunch of blocks and they don't know what to do. And if the kids don't pick up those skills when they're young, you know, so let's say a child hits age five and they're not a strong reader. They don't know how to stack these blocks very well. Mm. They're not great at self-soothing. They need that device. All of a sudden now you have a child who's a kindergartner who's having a lot of trouble because they're not recognizing the letters and they're not, you know, they're behind. When we moved into our house it was just all surrounded by dirt. You know, we lived in this new development but we were 5 minutes away from my mom and dad and they promised, believe me, they're going to build this up. And we mm. said, "Okay." And of course now there are roads to everywhere. Of course it's completely built up and you can't see dirt for miles and miles and miles and miles. But imagine if that had never happened. If we just had dirt and we're just like, man, I don't even know how to get to the store. Well, for kids, as they're growing up, their brains, it's just all these dirt pathways. And if they don't get a pathway built, it just doesn't get built. So if they don't build a pathway that says, oh, this is how I act at mealtime. Oh, this is a book. Oh, look, this is the letter A. Oh, she's sad. I should comfort her. (laughs) If those roads are not built when they're young, it's going to be a whole lot harder to build those roads when they're older. And instead, the roads go to the iPad, the roads go to the video game, the roads go to easy places and that's something really hard. So I think for young kids, I feel like that's where we really need to be like, whoa, danger, 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 because for little kids, it's such an easy swap. If they don't think that the iPad exists, like you never give it to them. And instead they get a book, they're going to be just fine. They will like that. So I think that's where for young kids, we have to go, wait a minute, we cannot let this slip.
1: As a childless adult, and, and whether I have children or not probably doesn't play into this, but I, I can think of the number of times I've been out in public, like at a restaurant, yeah. and been thankful to the parent that handed their toddler a screen <laughs> sure. for my own sanity. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I'm thinking of those parents or maybe even even totally single sure. parents who might be hearing this and saying, Arlene, I'm juggling so much. How am I supposed to yes. you know, get occasional you know, me time or quiet time if I don't leverage a nearby screen? Is it as easy as just handing them a book?
0: Yeah. And I would say that if you will do something hard now, it will be easier for you later. And you just have to believe that. So if you're like, oh, my word, there is no way I am coming (laughs) home from a long nursing shift. And then my child is like this. And of course, I need them to watch their show, you know, whatever it is. But if you will hit that hard thing and say, you know what, for seven days, we are going from this time to this time. Here's your toys. Here's your books. It's all you're going to get. And that child just freaks out for the first three or four days. If you hold strong, by day five or six, they're like, well, I guess this is all I'm going to get. I guess I'll start reading. (laughs) Truly. And then maybe week two or three, you're like, wow, this is so much more peaceful. My child is reading for half an hour and I'm able to get stuff done you know, and I would say an early bedtime, you know, even with your older kids, no devices in the room, but you can say, hey, you can read in your room, you can draw in your room, you know, you and even though you'll think like, oh, my word, that will never work. If you believe it will work, you know, you've got to believe with your own attitude first, like, nope, this is going to work. Then eventually (laughs) your kid is going to adopt this thing and go, I guess this is the new normal because a home where kids are reading is so peaceful so peaceful like you feel good cuz your kids in a book they're quiet you're doing something else they're learning whereas uh, uh, instead if you put that same home and instead of being enthralled by a book they're enthralled with a screen now you're like what are they watching mm. who are they talking to are they getting addicted to it are they sneaking around trying to do things i don't want you know so it it's just over the long term mm. if you will swap a half an hour of device time with a half an hour of reading time that will be so much better for your child, and you'll still get your downtime.
1: I am so thankful that I personally didn't grow up with the internet. I didn't grow up with Social media that uh, I didn't even have, I think, except for maybe an old hand-me-down Atari system. I didn't even have any video games at home. It was you know I had to go to the arcade if I wanted to play video games, and so the the opportunities were few. Um, Talk a bit about the impact on our emotional health with regard to screens and, in particular, uh, uh, video games. Uh, One of the things I thought was really compelling was some of the sort of telltale signs you talk about. You know, if you're concerned that your child might be addicted to gaming.
0: Now, you might have a child, and this is going to be very few and far between, that can play video games, and it's no problem. It doesn't hurt them emotionally. It's like a nice little thing for them. And the way you'll know is that, hey, they can play this game, and maybe after 20 minutes, they're like, okay, I'm done. I want to do something else, right? And then the next day, they don't have to play. And the day after that, they don't have to play. They don't really ask about it every day, and they just play occasionally for fun. And then you're probably going to feel like, I feel pretty good about that emotionally. My kid's okay. But most kids, when they're introduced to a game, will be like, I would like a little more time. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, I would like to play again, right? And then the next day... I want to play again. And then by whatever, the further you go down the line, it's like, I have to play. And that's when that switch goes that you're like, wait a minute, what is happening to my child? Uh, You know, and you'll know emotionally if your child is only in a good mood when they're gaming or when you allow them to game, when they know gaming is coming and that's how they can be okay. Then, you know, like, Oh, this is a little bit of a problem, right? (laughs) So if they're freaking out when they have to unplug, maybe you're going on a camping trip for the weekend and they're like, no, No, there's no Wi-Fi. I won't be able to play my game or I won't be able to do my social media or whatever. Then you'll know you were a little too emotionally invested in this game right if they start choosing gaming over family time or activities or maybe there were sports or music things that they used to really like but they've gradually been like uh ah, i don't i'm not really going to go out and play basketball with my friends any you know i'd rather sit here and game mm. then you know hey something's going on so if you see them changes in their behavior they're only in a good mood when they're gaming they want more games over time they freak out when they're unplugged they choose it over other activities they're sneaking around to use it then you know you know what? We, we've got a problem on our hands. And when a child is on the screen, that's time away from like real life skills. So learning a real life skill, whether it's woodworking or reading or writing, you know, essays or cooking, whatever it is, all those things build competence in the heart of a child. Like I could do that. But every time they're on a screen, that's time that they're not spending doing real world skills that that kind of helps them because as they become teenagers in those tween and teen years, they're kind of figuring out, you know, who am I am I worthy you know, do I belong? What's my identity? And unfortunately, if their identity is found in video games, like my identity is found in how mm. good I am at gaming, you right. know, how how much money I spent on that game so that I could have the best, like, you know, ammo or whatever. You know what I'm saying? If I've got these great <laughs> skins. So I I'm a good person. So... That's a very fragile sense of emotional health and for many girls, it's how many followers do I have? How many people responded to my photo? How do I look compared to all the other people I see as I'm scrolling through and that's not going to lend to emotional health at all for girls instead of for girls and boys saying, you know, am I loved by my family? do I have skills in the real world? Do I have friends, like real friends that stand <laughs> next to me and do things with me? That's what gives a child emotional health. And, you know, we see anxiety and depression up 37% between 2005 and 2014. And that really correlates with the adoption of these phones and social media. And so I think most parents and grandparents, they're not that many people that say, oh, you know, I gave my child a video game and they're so much easier to live with now. You know, they're so much more emotionally stable. They hardly are angry. We have no outbursts. They're so, you know, likable and they're very considerate of others. You know, mm. people don't usually say those kinds of things. And so I do think we do have to ask a question emotionally instead of getting their love tank as Dr. Gary Chapman, my co-author would say, instead of getting their love tank filled, you know, with words of affirmation. They're now with a video game or with social media that's doing the opposite, and that's going to lead to some unhealthy children.
1: I mentioned my sister earlier who did such a great job limiting screen time. The pandemic was particularly hard on my niece,
0: Mm. who
1: who was hungry for that uh, connection, that face to face connection that, that she couldn't get for such a long time because of the pandemic. Have you seen this problem worsen with things like the the pandemic and people having to rely on screens a little more than, than they're used to and things like Zoom and, and that sort of thing?
0: Yes, I think it's so difficult. I think especially for young kids, you know, how can you expect like a kindergartner or a first grader, you know, be like, I'm going to stare at my computer. <laughs> <laughs> and that you know what I'm saying that that's How you are a good student is by looking at this computer for a long time. And that's really hard for little kids. So I think it's been very difficult for so many kids who miss that face-to-face time. I think for introverted kids, you know, that get more energy from being on their own and replenish, it it was kind of refreshing. You know, I I will say that, Mm -hmm. that it's like, hey, we were able to do our work. We were able to have more of a low-key lifestyle. So I know for some families, they've been like, this has been kind of a relief for us not to have to run here, 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 here and here every day. But it's like, okay, show up at school and, hang out, you know?
1: <laughs> like,
0: okay. So I think for some families, it has brought them together because it gave them time. Because in the past, they didn't have those big swaths of time. Mm. But I think for a lot of families, it has exasperated problems that already existed. So if my child was playing video games two hours before the pandemic, now they're up to four. And I don't know what to do because I don't have anything else to offer them. Mm. And so I think That has been a problem, and I think a huge problem we're going to see moving forward is that what might have taken several years to adopt as like the norm for video games, now it's like done. It's like the video game industry has mushroomed so exponentially, and after the pandemic's over, it's not like all of a sudden these kids are going to be like, oh, you know, pandemic's over. I'm going to get off this game now, right? (laughs) right. They're going to keep playing at the same amounts. And all of a sudden you're going to have this problem of, oh my goodness, how do we now do everything with this four-hour game time block we now have adopted? (laughs) So I think the rub will come into what habits Mm. digitally have been really ingrained in us. Because when it was just March, April, it's like, okay, let's just get through. Mm. But now you're really looking at, Okay, we are going to have some pretty hardcore habits ingrained in our children and in us. And I would say right now, if you're listening and you're not really happy with how those habits are for yourself or your grandkids, this is the time to talk about, hey, what do we need to do to pivot to get ready for life post-COVID and Mm. to get into more healthy rhythms?
1: Arlene, have you seen the documentary The Social Dilemma?
0: Yes. And I would highly recommend that. And when you're talking to your children, you know, I had my kids watch that documentary. When you're talking to your children, then it lets your kids know, oh, now I'm in on the game. And now I can be smarter about my devices because that whole premise shows you that there are persuasive technologies that are really designed to keep you hooked and that you've got to be really aware of what's happening.
1: Yeah, I thought it was extremely compelling. Uh, what, what are some yeah. of the maybe not so obvious issues that we want to be aware of when it comes to screen time and safety? One thing that I think of as an example, having read your book, is the experience you had uh, watching, I think it was a YouTube video with your daughter, I believe, several years yes. ago.
0: Yeah, so my daughter was very young and we were watching a Pixar movie for the birds, really cute, and her her teacher had said, hey, look at this movie, it shows cause and effect because it shows what happens when one bird falls on the wire and it you know throws all the other birds off. So this is all very cute. And then after it was done, what queued up for her was like all these weird videos, like a drag queen video and a dead by daylight video. And I was like, what is this? Like, don't you know that this is a very young child looking at it? So, of course, your child might start on a good path digitally. But to answer that question, sometimes we as parents, we're like, okay, stranger danger, Sexual predator, like we do not want that. And Mm. obviously we've got to be on top of that. Yes, that's right. But what we might not be so aware of is, hey, what are these subtle things that my child is watching day after day? That's just like in that documentary, The Social Dilemma. They're talking about what if we could just skew, you know, your opinion about this one Mm. degree or two degrees, you know, over time, that one to two degrees, really small shift is going to put you in a very different place about this, you know, 20. And then whoa, to realize, what is your child watching, that's really undermining what you might be teaching, but it's happening so slowly, right, so subtly that you're not even aware. So for myself, you know, I would want them to love America, for instance, you know, I am an immigrant, And I love this land. And so I want them to grow up loving America. Well, there's a lot out there that's like not loving America. Right. Mm -hmm. And so all those things that you just have to think of that, how is this influencing the heart of my child? And for us, you know, we were probably very much like your sister, um, restrictive. And we just had basic rules that worked really well. And it was so simple Mm -hmm. and it was just no video games at home, no personal phones, no social media pretty simple. Mm. But we have a lot of tech at home. You know, they can edit things. They do 3D software. You know, it's not like we don't believe in technology, but we don't like those persuasive technologies mm. that we know are targeting our children. And so I think it's important for parents to realize that we might think, oh, let me have my child be safe. I will give them a phone in their pocket. So now they're mm. safe. They can reach me. Mm. But what my husband thought uh, very strongly he's, he's like, you know what? They are becoming crippled to solving problems. And what he means by that is he said, when I was a kid, if I had a problem, I had to figure it out myself. I wasn't like texting mama, mommy, what should I do? Hmm. Right. And he's like, now he works in real estate. He says, I'll have these 20 year old tenants that I manage the properties of. And they're like texting me. I don't know how to fix the light bulb. Will you please come over and fix the light bulb? And he's just like, It's a light bulb. You're in your (laughs) twenties, you know? And it's just this idea of you never learned how to do it yourself. Mm. So for us, we felt it was more safe to say, you're not gonna have a phone in your pocket. So you have to figure out how do I solve this problem. And believe me, it's not rocket science. It's like, oh, I will borrow the phone in my friend's pocket and I will (laughs) call my I mean, it's not that difficult. But it was that step saying we feel you are safer learning skills on your own. Not having pornography available in your pocket, mm. not having this persuasive technology available in your pocket, and instead going into the wild world alone, that was safer. And I think a lot of people don't think that way. They think we're crazy. Like, you let your kids go out in the real world without a phone? Like, how do you know where they are? Like, Well, we talk to them. <laughs> we figure out times to pick them up, you know. Mm. So, so that's, I think, a different way to look at that.
1: Yeah, you know, I appreciate that, and 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 I think too, just to to make a um, battle cry, I guess, with yeah. regard uh, to reading, I think about how with the invention of the printing press, books, I think, in a lot of ways, rewired our brains in in a, in a positive way, and and now. I see the that rewiring going another direction with information that has to be quick and fast and bite-sized and, and and so easy to consume. And I don't know why I felt the the need to interject that. It's not necessarily directly connected to the conversation we're having about technology, but I guess in a way it is. But I just want to put that out there and and just be an advocate. That's why I do this podcast, be an advocate for spending more time in, in more books and, and how that impacts the brain and how that wires the brain in, in such a powerful way.
0: I think it is a, a, a huge connecting point, what <laughs> you have said, because if your child is a strong reader in school, they are going to do well. I mean, it's the leading predictor. And if they do well in school and they feel successful there, that's going to be a foundation for more success, right? As they grow up. And, and so that's really important. And so you can ask yourself, you know, can I leave my child with a book? And can they get lost in a book for 15 minutes, a half an hour, an hour, two hours, regard, you know, depending on their age? And if the answer is no, then you know, like, oh, there is a problem. <laughs> something, <laughs> something is wrong. Mm. You know, I used to cite this study and I, I'll do it now because people will wonder, well, if my child isn't in – technology? Will they be left behind? You know, this is a technological world. Mm. And they did this study at UCLA where they took people who were on the internet all the time and those who weren't and they scanned their brains and yes, they were different. The the users showed brain activation for quick decision making, peripheral vision, things like that. They told the non-users, just go on the internet one hour a day and come back to us in a week. So they'd only been on five days a week, five hours, that's it. They scanned their brains and they looked exactly the same mm. as the Expert users very quickly they learned, Oh, this is a banner ad. Oh, I should look here. You know, they very quickly learned that. But think about a child trying to pay attention, trying to get through a book without any pictures, mm, <laughs> right? Mm. So, my son who grew up without video games, etc., I could bring him to a friend's house and he could easily game. For hours with no problem. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that's really easy to pick up. It's, it's a very easy barrier of entry. Right. But can I take that same child who's been gaming and say, hey, here's a book. You've got five hours. You know, <laughs> how they, they just you can't change quickly. That's an attention muscle, and that's one of the A-plus skills of attention that we talk about in Screen Kids. There's an attention muscle that has to be built over time in children to be able to read and think deeply, and that's being, you know, I can feel it that I skim passages, you know, where I used to read more thoughtfully, and I have to kind of slow down, and so for kids, if they're just used to the fast pace of technology, it is going to be hard for them to become readers. And I think it's in the future, the problem is it's going to be very easy to manipulate masses of people because all you'll need is a little bit of a soundbite and the people will go instead of questioning and wondering, well, what does this really mean? That there will be fewer and fewer kids who know how to reason with that kind of depth. Wow.
1: Well, one of the highlights of the book is is in part two, the, the series of A-plus social skills that, that you outlined. You just mentioned attention. Yeah. Um, uh, would you be willing to say a bit about uh, the others, the other Sure. Four?
0: Yeah. So we know about the A plus academic skills, but you, if you really think about it, you'd rather have these skills and they are the skills of affection that your child knows what it means to be loved and to give love. They, they're well versed in love. The second is appreciation. They're a grateful child. They're the child that looks up and says, thank you, Mr. Brown, for your wonderful podcast. You know, (laughs) and you'd be like, who is this child? Where were they born? You know, because technology fights against gratitude because Mm. it gives you endless choice and everything's instant. Wow. So you get a child that's like, what's next? And why do I have to wait <laughs> so long for that? Right. You know, and who wants <laughs> to live with that? The third is anger management. So we're all going to get angry. How do we deal with that? Do we deal with that in a healthy way in an unhealthy way? Apology is the fourth. Do I know how to own up for my own mistakes mm. you know, and say, I'm sorry? Or do I just ignore you? Do I just unfriend you? Do I just blame someone else? And then that last skill of attention. So if a child can grow up in your home with these A plus skills, affection, appreciation, anger management, apology, attention, they're going to be much better prepared mm. than the child who doesn't possess these skills.
1: Love it. I have a couple of questions for you, Arlene, not directly related to the book, but before I do that, anything else you want to make sure we know?
0: You know, I I want to say something about my son Ethan. So when I talk to him about book reading, and and I say this because of your audience, because so many of his peers don't read. Now Mm. he has a good friend. He actually has a few good friends who are pretty intense readers. So I will say that if you're afraid your children won't find friends who, don't, who are not like endlessly online, they do exist. So if your child's like, I am the only one, just know there's about three others. So they do exist. But he's like, Mom, books are so cool because think of it. Someone spends perhaps their life's work thinking about something mm. and then they put it in a book. And then I can take two or three weeks and I can learn what it took them years to figure out or Mm. develop. Mm. And I can do that over and over and over again. And I just, I was like, whoa, that's so cool. You know, and this is, this is a 16 year old boy, you know? (laughs) So I just want to give you hope that, that if you will raise your kids to love books, Uh, So first of all, Jeff will have people to listen to his podcast in 15 years. So that would be really good. But if you will just nurture that love of books in your children, it's going to open so many doors for them and it's going to make life so much easier for them as they grow up.
1: Uh it, it's also why I'm writing a book called Read to Lead, a book about reading because yes, I'm trying to perfect trying to keep it alive uh, for sure. Yeah. Well, well speaking of books, uh, Arlene, what's a what's a book or two you've encountered over the course of your uh, career that's left a lasting impression on you? Maybe one that you you go back to and revisit occasionally?
0: Yeah. I, you know, what came to mind was The Five Love Languages by mm-hmm. Gary Chapman. And of mm-hmm. course, how, how easy, he's my co-author with this <laughs> book, Screen Kids. But that is just so helpful to say, okay, in my marriage, so if The Five Love Languages is how you give and receive love. So my husband's love language is acts of service, mm-hmm. which means he feels love when I do stuff for him, mm-hmm. when I clean the sink, when I put gas in his car, things like that, and physical touch. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, those are like my least, right? Mm-hmm. So So here I am talking to him because, I'm words of affirmation oh babe this was so good this was so good this was good and here he is like doing stuff for me and I'm like he doesn't talk to me you know so it is very helpful so for any relationship that book is something you can go to look at revisit Uh, it's so helpful five love
1: languages that's funny I'm I'm, I'm a combination of you and your husband Uh, I'm I'm, uh, words of affirmation and acts of service yes (laughs) those are my two favorites (laughs) Well, as you look ahead uh, to uh, 2021, what's uh, what's got you excited for you and your team that you can share about at this point?
0: Yes. One thing I really want to develop is some kind of happy home university where mm. people can come to my site and i will have courses for you uh, and they will be supplemented by podcasts and my books. So I'm planning to do something in February for my book, 31 Days to a Happy Husband. So a bit of focus on your marriage Mm. just to help because I know the pandemic has been very hard on many relationships. And for us to be able to go back to the drawing board, go back to the beginning and say, wait a minute, what brought us together in the first place and how can we spark that again? So happy home university uh, coming soon, 2021.
1: Awesome, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Well, this book, again, is called Screen Kids, Five Skills Every Child Needs in a Tech-Driven World. Her name is Arlene Pelican. Arlene, thank you so much for coming back. You're in that elite company of those folks who have been here more than once.
0: I am honored to be here. Thanks so much, Jeff.
1: At my website, you'll find a page created and set aside just for this episode. You can dig into the links, resources, and get a summary of our discussion today. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 346 for episode 346. For valuable resources and updates in your inbox on a regular basis and to keep tabs on the launch of my forthcoming book, be sure and join my email list. You can do that at my website by completing the form at the top right of the page, Read readtoleadpodcast.com. Episodes of the podcast are currently scheduled through the end of February, and you can look forward to visits from authors like Mitzi Perdue, former NFL player Reggie Williams, folks like Pamela Fuller, Michael Gelb, Todd Henry, and Roman Mars, plus 90 books and counting author Brian Tracy, and next time, Brian Sanders, author of the book Leadership Endurance. That'll wrap up this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead.